Welcome to Faith Family in the Force. I'm Oliver. And I'm Annabeth. Faith Family in the Force is a podcast about just that, our faith, our family, and our experiences as Oliver is in the Air Force. And on today's episode, we do a book review of The Astronaut's Wife. What's going on, guys? So welcome to the episode where we talk about astronauts astronauts <laughs> not really um kind of really but i we're doing a book review today on the astronaut's wife by stacy morgan i got this book because i heard a podcast interview with the author and i was like oh she's really cool i think i would like this book just for myself had no intentions of doing a book review on our podcast about it but then i read it and her husband is in the army and it is super relevant for military spouses because she doesn't just talk about when he's at nasa and in space she talks a ton about just their military journey and deployments and everything Absolutely. So I didn't read it in its entirety. I actually, I read about a paragraph from each page, probably more, Yeah. a little bit more than that. Um, while we watched Mary Poppins, <laughs> we did Monday movie night with Jude and uh, I skimmed the book and I was really, really impressed with a lot in it. Um, I'm a, our family's a big advocate on space stuff. So (laughs) I instantly was like, Oh, I actually could probably finish this in like a day. Like it's a pretty good book and I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I am too. And we're not going to talk a ton about the space part of it because (laughs) you can get the book and read that part on your own. It was very interesting though. Like I, I learned a lot that I did not know. Um, but she has like some key themes throughout the book that we're going to talk about. And I just loved like how honest she was about her, like how she felt about being a military spouse and like how deployments were. It's like, she was so honest about it. And I loved that. Yeah. So I thought her case, uh, the author Stacy Morgan was super cool because she's a West Point grad. Yes, she I didn't is. know if you wanted to start with that, but well, we can. We're we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's where she met her husband. Yeah, was at West Point. So he was like two years older than her, and they both went to West Point, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really really cool. Yeah. Um. So that like, and she did. I think I don't know the commitment for. I'm not like sure. army folks, but I would imagine and it was she a while did, ago, so I don't know. Yeah, she probably did a handful of years. Yeah. In the military and stuff, um, I'm guessing. Right. She may not have, but so she has like a really cool perspective Mm -hmm. and I think that added like a lot of breadth to what she wrote here. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the first kind of theme that she talked about that I want to talk about is when her husband, when they first were in the military. So this is 2007. So it's not super recent. Um, But she says in here, if there's one thing the military does right, it's helping people face their own mortality. So as part of the pre-deployment prep, you had to update your wills, sign powers of attorney, made lists of sentimental items that would go to their kids, um, posing for the official death photo 
the portrait that could be enlarged to poster size should it be needed for placement next to a casket um is that still a thing do people i so i don't know if people go in like Hey, photographer, I'm taking my death <laughs> yeah, photo today. I, I haven't really like, heard Please of that, wipe my teeth. <laughs> um, but I know like, so I have an official photo. Lots of people in the military have official okay. photos, right? It's what they use for awards and things like that. So I would assume that they would use that. Gotcha. Um, whatever your most official photo is on file. Yeah. Um, and I'm 100% positive that's totally up to the family like yeah, and things yeah. like that, right? Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't actually know, but okay. all those things she said, yes, we do. We have done all all the other things right. pretty much. Um, and then, but she said, within like her community of military wives, it was just kind of an unspoken rule not to bring it up. Like it was mm. like, oh, if we talk about it, then it's gonna ha- like we're gonna jinx it and something bad's gonna happen. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I I don't know how I feel about that. Right. Um, because like it's it's some of the advice that I consistently give guys and their spouses in our unit is like and our commanders, everybody's big advocating on like, hey, go get your wills done because mm-hmm. you never know. It could be a car accident. It could be a deployment, whatever. Right. Yeah. Like have your power attorneys. Um, so it just makes life easier on your spouse when they're home if they need to buy a car or something happens. Right. right? Um. And then, like, kind of have your ducks in a row. Yes. But then don't talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) So, but she goes on to say she's sitting there with one of her friends one day and her friend is just straight up like, I've been thinking a lot about what would happen if our husbands were killed. Mm. And it, like, really took her by surprise, like, shocked her. Um, But then she goes on to say, like, it was super empowering to just be like, yeah, that could happen. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to even be prepared if that does happen. Like you did the pre-deployment prep. Like it's not terrible to be like, okay, what are some things? Not don't like give yourself anxiety, Sure, but it's okay to think about, to talk about, to deal with it. Instead of just like, oh, we're never going to bring it up. A hundred percent. I, yeah, I think it kind of taught like leans on that whole concept of like, we're prepared. We're going to talk about it if it comes up, but like, if it doesn't come up, we're not going to talk about it. Like if Mm -hmm. it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So, yeah. And so she goes on right after that to talk about hope. Um, so whether we like it or not, we will live our lives dictated by one or the other, fear or hope. Um, If we don't make an active decision to choose hope, our default will always be fear. Mm. I thought that was so good. That is powerful. Yeah. Yeah, Um, that's really good. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, it's okay to have fear. It's okay to talk about what if the worst thing happens. It's okay to be prepared for that. But also, like, always have hope. Or you're going to live in fear all the time. Right. Dang. That is, that's deep and very <laughs> yeah. like simply but eloquently put. Yeah. Okay. So the next big theme that she talks about that we're going to talk about is friends. Um, and she talks about friendship a lot in the book and just different seasons and different areas where they were living. Um but 
it just it makes all the difference we've talked about this before like you can be in a (laughs) the worst location or like have whatever and if you have the best friends you're like I loved it there um so they were in North Carolina um and she said on paper the five years we spent in North Carolina should have been the hardest of my life between combat deployments, long distance trainings, military school drew us away from home almost three of the five years. Um, they had like little, little kids at the time. And she says, yet those years were some of the richest of my life. Our group of friends bonded over shared grief, um, shared joy, shared struggles, healthy marriage, family. Um, high driven tempo of deployment cycle we wise prioritize friendships meeting together etc i think there is something to be said um especially in the military because like my unit is pretty like high ops tempo right there's always people gone deployed there's always stuff going on very rarely is like the whole unit there actually yeah. never it's, yeah. it's impossible right now um and so that kind of environment really puts a uh, unspoken pressure on the people in it and the community that supports it to make the most of the time they have together mm-hmm. when they're home. Yeah. And that is, it's so amazing. Yeah. Um, and then she talks about they moved and this is so hard too, when you, you are at a place and you have that such good friendships and you go to another place and it's not as easy for some reason. Right. And so she is complaining. She calls one of her friends and she complains, whining. She says, I don't have any friends. And her friend says, I know that's hard, but what are you going to do about it? Mm, that's a good friend. <laughs> yes. Who's like, you're right. I acknowledge how you feel yeah. and you're okay to feel that way, but let's do something. Yeah. Just don't sit and complain about yeah, it no, do something about good. it and so she made a plan every wednesday for the next three months from nine to noon in her schedule she just invited a different woman over for coffee each week I and love that. yeah and like that's very brave and she was so nervous about it so nervous like felt awkward asking the women to do it but she said most of the women were like her longing for female friendship yeah i so kind of first like you mentioned it the because we've been in that place right when we moved from mississippi to florida from pilot training to my operational squadron where we caught ourselves being like man i really miss my friends from our last base right but we both like looked at each other and pretty much unspoken said we're gonna make the best of what Mm -hmm. we have here and it's really been fruitful in that intentionality for sure is amazing and I definitely recommend that yeah and I think the last I think this is the last friend piece I had um I read this story it made me cry no way yes so um she tells the story where they're living on base in a little like cul-de-sac that's so weird because I would not say a <laughs> cul-de-sac, cul-de-sac but that's what other what people would you say s- would you call a it cove. a cove <laughs> but I know people don't say that really cul-de-sac. um anyways so uh, her friend Amber's husband left for a nine-month deployment to Afghanistan. Two months later, Amber delivered her fifth baby. Um, so her husband was not there. And, you know, to them, that was kind of 
sad. It sucked, but like it was just a part of right. it. Um, that was, I think, even more common during this time to yeah. deliver babies and all kinds of stuff without your husband there. Um, so yeah, but um, so she gave birth, and um, let me see, her husband you know, Skyped, I think, um, it wasn't ideal, but it wasn't the end of the world either. A few days after her delivery, we welcomed Amber and the new baby back to the house and life moved on all was well, or so we thought. And then she started noticing some like just weird mm. things going on, like in the house, like she was, it was late at night and she was like locking her door and turning off the lights her kids were in bed and she like looked across the street and like all the lights were on in the house and like the kids should <laughs> the her neighbor's kids should have been in bed already right. and just like some weird stuff like oh the trash hadn't been taken to the street like in a couple weeks things like that um but she kept not saying anything and she said her justification for inaction ran on con on a continuous loop in her head of like oh she would tell me if she needed help if she was really struggling she'd look more like haggard and tired and <laughs> sick or whatever um or I'll just wait for her to come to me it's right. none of my business I'm sure everything's fine you know all these excuses that we all tell ourselves yeah. about stuff all the time um and then finally she goes over there and says something and she just says I'm not sure what's going on but I feel like something's wrong I'm your friend I love you I need to know if something isn't right and like <laughs> I that's such a good friend yeah no that's awesome and she so I I try not to do this um and like we've talked about this like in the recent weeks too of it is I don't want to be the person who just texts somebody when I know they are hurting or need support or love and be like, let me know what you need. Cause yeah. they're not going to tell you. I'm not, if yeah. you text me that I'm not going to tell you like what I really need is you to come to my house and like be here with me yeah. for like an hour or two. Or yeah. So whatever. the cool thing is her friend tells her all these things that just are going wrong. She has a newborn and like four other kids. <laughs> so right. like, of course. Um, and so she says like, I love you. I want to help you. And I'm not talking about just bringing dinner over or praying you, pr pr praying you, praying, praying you. for you. <laughs> Those things are important, but I'm talking about something else. Do you need me to come over here and be the bad guy to help write this ship? Yeah, she lays down the law. Yes, her older kids were like not, you know, helping and being, being kids. Yes, exactly. Being bad kids. And so for the next two months, Either her or their other friend, Jennifer, was in their house for bedtime almost every single night and got their kids, like, helped her get the kids to bed. That's, like, that's that love. is such, yeah. And, like, I, it made me cry. Like, that's, like, that is so, that's what friendship is. And, like, right. I feel like people, I think people have friendships like that now, but I think it's more rare. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's tough. Um and some of that is so not unique to the military communities or like in their case, like her husband was in space. Right. But like military, they get it. They're all in it together yeah. and they're all going through these hardships. They're so used to that. So the environment like kind of creates that, mm -hmm. you know, but 
man, that is the like level of friendship that I want. Yeah, and that you me too. Want and I want to give. For sure. And she goes on to say, like, contrary to the weakness most people think vulner- vulnerability exposes, her friend Amber was never stronger in her eyes um, than she was when she was honest enough to reach out and grab the helping hand they were offering her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for people to remember, like, it's okay to be vulnerable and to say you need help. Yeah, Absolutely. So we haven't talked anything about astronauts or space. I said we were. Yeah, going I know. To, but I told the you. book is called "The Astronaut's Wife." Yes. Um. So just to give you a quick summary. Uh, so her husband Drew Morgan, he is an Army doctor, um, worked in the special operations community and stuff, and essentially kind of a long shot. This was right when the moments when they like close NASA, I say they close NASA, NASA never really closed. Right guys. Yes. But they like weren't funding space missions and things like that. It wasn't really. So when he, when he launched into space to go to the international, international space station, he actually had to go to Russia first and which I didn't know any of that. Like I thought that was so interesting. Oh yeah. And like Kazakhstan and the Soyuz rocket program and stuff. Yeah. That's, there's so much like the Chris Hadsfield's book. He was a Canadian astronaut. This one has some really cool, unique family perspectives about mm-hmm. that because they talk about their families traveling to Kazakhstan and, yeah, like and getting living to watch. Yeah. in these old Soviet era hotels and things like that. And this is so different. So it's a unique perspective yeah. on that. And <laughs> unfortunate timing for them when he was in space, COVID hit. Yes. So it changed everything for his like, returning home right um which is uh, y'all should just read the book it's super interesting (laughs) yeah this is i like i said most of the astronaut books and stuff like that that involve like oh i'm an astronaut i'm so and so like they talk a lot about the prep to get there what it's like and stuff um but like i said chris hadsfield and this one really focus on like some of the family perspectives Mm because they're just huge huge family guys that's cool yeah okay um the next thing I wanted to talk about that she talks about is this is, a sync one? Yes. 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 So <laughs> she talks about her husband leaving for 10 months. Um, so for the 10 months that he's away, the master bathroom is my manifest destiny and luxury, luxury, luxuriously all mine. His sink becomes a temporary home for my hair dryer. Um, flat iron brushes whatever else I happen to toss in there for easy access I move my makeup bags out of the closet and onto his counter I take over his towel hook his section of the shower caddy and a good portion of his part of the closet and I think this is so funny because I bet if you ask any military spouse they do something maybe not exactly this but they take over something yeah. that their husband I take over Oliver's side of the bed <laughs> yeah I I, I read put this my stuff like I will just leave out my computer, my Bible, my notebook. It just stays on Oliver's side of the bed the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I read this section. I immediately looked there and about them was like, this is you. Yeah. You do this. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see if you have it underlined. Okay. Um, uh, you don't. So he, he like on one of his trips when he's coming back, mm-hmm. he was just like, 
can you please put my stuff back because <laughs> yes. I don't want to feel like I'm replaced yes. and I felt that like yeah I was like yes I get that like I want to come home and things because it's it's a weird reality deploying or leaving for yeah. a very long time for like months and months at a time yeah um because you leave home and you like take a mental image of everything and you're like yes everything was in this place when I left mm-hmm. and then when you come back a lot of things either have moved or holidays have happened or whatever and things aren't where they (laughs) were. And so something as simple and personal as like, Oh, your stuff in the bathroom. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, that's important. I felt that. Um, and then she also says every time that drew leaves home for any length of time, my reasonable bedtime is the first thing to go. And this trip was no exception. And I think if you ask any, the same thing, like they're going to have something that like, you know, they normally do. And then it just goes out the window, whether it's like bedtime or what's yours. I don't know. Well, my routine just, it does change. And like, I don't know when you're gone, we were talking about this the other night. Like when you goes to bed, when you're here, we still have, you know, a couple hours before we go to sleep and that it's kind of our time to hang out. Right. But like when you, when you're gone, <laughs> like. I do so much stuff. No, just that time from Jude's bed till I go to sleep is like so much more precious to me. Not that I don't love hanging out with you, but, <laughs> but like that is my alone time. And like, it's my time to do like whatever I want. And it's usually watching a show and eating a special treat that I don't want you to have. <laughs> yeah. You eat it in bed. So mm-hmm. when I come home, there's crumbs. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. Um, so she goes on to say, as much as I love using his sink, I miss his presence on any given night. I'd happily give up this luxurious freedom to have drew back and brushing his teeth next to me. And in the dark recesses of my soul, I know that if he doesn't return home mm-hmm. safely, this extra space in my bed and my bathroom will feel very different. Oh yeah. When I read that, I was like, ah oh, man. Yeah. And I think that's just like, <sighs> this is a big theme kind of in her book of like, this is kind of a silly, a little bit silly example, but like you can enjoy your time alone. You can enjoy like that. You get to use his side of the bed or the bathroom or whatever, but still like deeply miss him at the same time. For sure. Absolutely. I, uh, it just, it's really weird. This, like I said, guys, this book, I did not expect it to be this good. And you were like, <laughs> oh, hey, read this for tonight's podcast. And I'm like, okay, challenge accepted. Read a book in two hours. And You read a good chunk of it. I did. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like, I wish you would have given me this a week ago. Like, I would have read it in its entirety. I know. I was still reading it until like two days ago, though. So I couldn't have given oh, it to right. you. Um, so this next part hit me. I don't know. I don't know how I felt about this. So, um, she talks about deployment and she says like she drops the deployment card in so many situations, um, of like, Hey, can you be a room mom this year for the classroom? Or can you volunteer for this or whatever? And she's like, Oh, my husband's deployed. And people are like, Oh, of course. Don't worry about it. And it's kind of like, in a joking way but i mean it's true you know (laughs) i don't know um but like 
she goes on to talk about it of she says i simplified our routine stressing less about meal planning doing laundry putting toys away the kids and i read more books watched more movies played more games on the floor i created more space in my schedule for play dates phone calls and even the occasional nap i led my ministry team with a level of efficiency and purpose i'd never reached before motivated to draw women into loving community i found such comfort in myself I prioritized my relationships, and together my friends and I reveled in the positives of this season rather than dwelling on the negatives. Um, And she just, like, talks about she notices an internal shift when Drew gets back of just dinners being more complicated because she's cooking for two adults and, like, feeling this, like, oh, I have to clean now and I have to do this. I don't know. Um, It's just different. And, like, I was, like, I understand this so much. And she says the truth was I didn't need Drew to leave the country or even the driveway to enjoy this kind of freedom that she found of, like, living a more simpler life and being able to say no to things and not stressing about cleaning the house as much and playing with your kids more or whatever um but that's what she learned during deployment and when he got back she was like okay how can I still live this simplified life and live in this like freedom that I found when my husband is here too yeah and this just like hit me so like I never had the words to like explain this to you until I read this and I was like oh this is it like (laughs) I want I need Oliver to read this to understand yeah no that's why I'm like I don't know how I felt about it because not that we we argue about this or anything but like it resonated with me too but kind of like on the other end because I was just like oh but like I I want you to do all these things and like, I like, this is awesome that like the schedule shifting and everything, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. It's just, it's just different. It's tough. And I'm, yeah, she definitely allocated her time and resources differently and it works. Yeah. And I think you have to, like there, there's some part that you just can't, you can't do everything that you can do when your husband is home. Like, and I don't know. It's just some things are not as important because they don't have to be, you know? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of think of it like, for example, I don't like a lot of stuff on the floor. Like Mm -hmm. I like absolutely abhor tripping over things and stuff like that. And not that you enjoy doing that too, but you (laughs) tolerate it much better than I do. So because you, you love me and like, there we kind of have this thing where it's like oh like i don't want the floor to be all cluttered up so you then allocate time for that right now but you know like it fixes and it's interesting yeah i'm gonna i need to pray about it yeah i yeah for sure we'll have to dive into that one some more um but i just yeah i was like oh someone understands (laughs) like put words to what i feel when oliver gets back home love that um so this i thought was so good and i think you and i kind of would agree with this okay. statement, but um, it, Drew says, more than anything, Drew told me, my goal is to return home to a family that is healthy and intact. 
What do you mean? I asked. I mean, I want this experience to be just as positive and impactful for you guys back on earth as it will be for me in space. I want us to feel that our family is stronger and better off because of the mission, not in spite of it. Mm. And I think that can apply to deployment too, for sure. And, and just military, like your dad, like as Jude, but like you as his dad being in the military and like living this military life growing up and having to deal with things that other people don't necessarily have to deal with. For sure. Yeah. I would say that's kind of, um, one of the, the things I keep on my mind of like when I deploy or when I go on trips or when I do anything, fly missions that I, the things I do, I don't do it for the cool stories or whatever. I really do it to like better our family and like a way of life and just keep that stronger bond yeah but that that's yeah it's good so good good. and just like a really good reminder because i think and she talks about this when when your spouse is gone you just get into like survival mode and you you're more stressed and you're like don't live your whole (laughs) you know months and months like that like learn from this take these opportunities that you don't necessarily have when your husband's there or whatever and you know figure out how to be healthy still and come out stronger on the other side absolutely Um, and they say when our family looks back on this time whether a year or a decade later I don't want it to be defined by an absent dad and a stressed out mom Mm. and like I think that's a sentence every military couple like needs to read no, for sure. Like, cause I, I, my hope is that our kids one day will look back and be like, wow, like my dad was gone doing something he loved, making a difference for the family. And we saw that like in his mm-hmm. character and the way he lived his life. And my mom handled it like a pro when she, yeah. when she was by herself. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like they're able to recognize sure. it and not just be like, yeah, my parents were stressed. <laughs> my dad was always gone. My mom just was angry all the time. Yes. Like, I, I never, I want our kids to always feel like, oh, I had two loving parents, even when my dad was gone, like yeah always had two loving parents that were involved and, you know, so she ends this chapter um, with when Drew walks back in our front door for the first time in almost a year, I know it will remain I know it will mean returning to a reasonable bedtime, trimming back my nighttime routine, cleaning out his sink, no longer offering cereal as a viable dinner option, but the clarity God has given me about what is important in life, the new habits I've instilled in our kids, the relationship bridges I've built, the investments I've made in myself, my friends, my kids, and my marriage will remain. Mm, It's beautiful. Yeah, I think she like sums it up so well. Yeah, she writes her nighttime routine in here. And I like read that part because it was it kind of stuck out to me. And I was like, do most girls like, is this a common thing? Because that would take forever. So did you you read the part where she like tried for a month to go to sleep early? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. That's And she's like, I just hated it. Like, I'm just a night person. I hated going to sleep early. She says she'd rather stay up until like two and just slam coffee the next day. She's happier doing that than trying to go to sleep early. And I just thought that was so funny. They're like, I would love to meet them as a couple because they seem 
kind of almost opposite yeah like for I mean, sure he he's an astronaut so he is very like technical and like <laughs> squared away and everything yes. and, and a doctor and a doctor so. and so like very like just one way and then she is like it's like whoa yeah this is just wild i yeah. love couples that are like that it's so funny but this is that's great leading into our next point um she goes skydiving did yeah, you read, I read this that okay one. this also made me cry a little like a little teary a little teary really yes because uh. so she goes skydiving like for her 40th birthday or something and so after the fact like she's so nervous the kids her kids were there watching their husbands all of that um and she they got a video so she watched they watched the video twice the kids eyes wide with disbelief when they saw their mom on the screen being brave taking a chance having her own adventure and seemingly risking it all when the video ended something unexpectedly wonderful happened each of my kids turned to me and asked how old they had to be before they could make their first jump. I'd forgotten that one of the most potent side effects of living unafraid and taking risks is that it inspires those around you. My willingness to be brave, try something new, and literally take a leap of faith made my kids want to do the same. Even more than waiting to wanting to embrace risk in my own life, I want to raise children who are willing to take risk in their own lives. Yeah. That part amazing. got me. <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's so good. And like, this does not really have anything to do with military life, but like as parents, like, ah. Uh. Yeah. It's great. I, like I said, this is a pretty awesome book. I, <laughs> I can't recommend it enough to anyone. Yeah. Um, and it's also ironic that her husband was on the skydiving team at West Point. And like in that book, she mentions that like the guy like looked at her or uh, the jump master, whoever it was, was like talking to him or something. And like he, <laughs> the way he phrased it, it was just like really funny because the guy was like, oh, I had no idea who he was or what he yeah, did. Yeah. And, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, you're talking to an astronaut, dude. And <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think I just think that's so good. And we like get to adulthood and forget to take risk and yeah. forget to have fun or it's too much work or it's too, we're too scared or, you know, whatever. And like, that's such an important part of life. Absolutely. They talk about smashing TVs in <laughs> yeah. there too. I thought yes. that was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, she's done some some cool stuff for sure. Um, also, we're not going to talk about this, but the other, I cried, got teary three times. And the other time was when she talked about 9-11. Oh, man. And the older I have gotten, like the past few years, anything I have read about it makes me cry. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I know why. Like, it's sad. Sure. <laughs> um, But I think we were just like, so young when it happened so I don't I remember it but not like it didn't affect me as much because I was so like I I didn't really know what was going on you right. know and so going back and like reading people's experiences just like gets me yeah what's what it's changed for me too especially when I joined the military like uh at the Air Force Academy 
I remember my like first year there during 9-11, you do, there's like a parade and a memorial right, right. there, right? Um, and they lay a wreath there every year on 9-11 and they run like a torch around, uh, mm-hmm. the terrazzo there. Um, and it, not that it never meant something before. It just didn't mean the same until I like joined the military. Mm-hmm. And then I was like literally talking to my boss the other day and he came into the military in October of 2001 is when he got to his operational wow. squadron. So he gets to his flying squadron and immediately is like, congratulations, can you fly yet? And he's like, yeah, I just learned to like yeah. last week. They're like, you're going to the Middle East tomorrow. Yeah. And off he went. And so like, I don't, I'm not like that far removed from guys and girls. Yeah, who you're went, working with people. Yeah. yeah. And, and that still kind of blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's why it's absolutely wild. And so I understand like I, I get emotional too. Yeah. I also get emotional watching insurance commercials. So <laughs> yeah, all of his emotions are uh, great. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you though, how different do you think just the military is from that time to now? Mm. Like, do you think it's obviously some things are the same, but do you think going into a deployment it's as like, oh, I'm really, really could die as it was then. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a lot different mm-hmm. culturally, climately, everything. Yeah. It's, it's way, way different. Um, I wouldn't even know where to begin to dissect that. I mean, that would be its own podcast <laughs> yeah. and I'd have to actually do some like research and get some data. Yeah. But I, <sighs> The, the yeah this is different just the little oh, bit man. that they had in here about his deployments to afghanistan and stuff i just was like i just don't know if i it seems different you know just yeah. when he when they were when she was re- talking about it or writing about it <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean it's so the f- you got to think about too like for them the formative years of their lives right their early their early 20s and 30s mm-hmm. well a lot of people would consider like the meat of your youth was like are surrounded by that yeah. and so impacted by yeah. that and like she was talks, in, talks about in, in the book in when DC it happened, when it happened yeah. so many x number of miles from the pentagon when a plane flew into the pentagon and so it's so it's so raw in proximity mm-hmm. um, and even more so because he him being a doctor and deploying he, that guy probably deployed a ton, especially as a medic during that t- or a doctor at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in special operations. So like, geez, I mean, yeah, it's so just riddled with emotion and rawness for them. Yeah, it's different for That's sure. For sure. Okay, the last um, kind of theme that I want to talk about that she talks about is we in life can start to believe like everything's black or white, good or bad. Right. And we get stuck on one. Um, So she says over time we can come to believe that life is either hard or it is good and it cannot be both. Black or white, the truth is... Every season of life is a complicated mix of events as well as our reflexive reactions to them, which then create a variety pack of perceptions and emotions. Um, And I just am like, that's so true. And like, that's what I want people, if I could really explain like 
deployments to a, a military spouse before they've experienced one, I'm like, it's going to be so good and so sucky. Like, And it's okay <laughs> to be both. Yeah. I would, I would say like pretty much the same thing. Like it's going to be a good time and it's going to be hard. Yeah. And those aren't mutually exclusive. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And you hear that like when people talk, when they go through difficult things and they're like, oh, it was so amazing. Like this, the, the process to get there and then to achieve the goal or the yeah. objective, like right. She, she talked about running a marathon, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so it's very like kind of very similar to that. And you go through all this training and like in the moment it's hard and difficult, but like looking back and that reflection mm-hmm. and you're like, wow. But I think good. that's why it's so important. Like when you are in a really hard season to remember, like remind yourself of the good things going on too. Cause you can get so stuck in that. Like, Oh, this is so hard. When is this going to end? It's never going to end, you know, like, and start to get very bitter. <laughs> Absolutely. That and like, it kind of reflects back on asking for help and giving help to others. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so did you read the part, the like phrase that the old astronauts wives used to say all the time? No, probably missed um, that part. So when they would get interviewed, they always would say, we're happy, proud, thrilled. That would be like their answer <laughs> of like when people asked about how do you feel about your husband coming home from space or, you know, or whatever. Right. Um, and so she like read a book or something with it was a like astronaut wives (laughs) I don't know some book um and so but then she ends up like meeting getting to meet actually you know a ton of these astronaut wives um that were some of the first astronauts like ever um and hearing their stories and obviously they weren't just happy proud thrilled like all the time there was really sad and difficult things going on too um so she says like we are happy proud and thrilled but we are also worried tense and fatigued we are elated and amazed as much as we are frustrated and overwhelmed we are all of those things and acknowledging one does not negate the other Mm, that's so good yeah yeah that's that's great yeah i so it makes me think of like the first season for all mankind. <laughs> yes. You know, if you guys haven't seen it for all mankind's uh, Apple TV uh, series, uh, it's really, really good. I definitely it's, recommend it. It's super good. Um, and so there's like, they do a lot. They talk about a lot of the uh, spouse stuff. It's about like, astronauts. If yeah, you, it's about, if you <laughs> it's didn't about catch space. That. <laughs> so, all right. On a scale of 10, what do you rate? Uh, the Astronaut's Wife by Stacy Morgan. Like, a probably a 10, like, what? or a 9.5. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely up there. I thought it was great. And it was, I was excited to read it before, but then after, I was like, wow, this is even better than I thought it was going to be, for sure. Yeah, I think. And I, so relatable. I think I would re- rate it up there probably like an 8, 8.5 to 9. Um, because if you're interested in space, like, it was, like I said, I was extremely interested in this book because it had a lot of space stuff in it yes. it talked about like their family and then it pieced it all together it had her relationship with god and just all these really cool yeah. interesting stories that aren't like your typical astronaut for sure stuff. For it sure. was very and i think centric. it's it's good for anybody to read yeah but 
100% would recommend it to military wives and astronaut wives, I guess. If I Yeah, you astronaut wives that are listening <laughs> out there. Oh, man. Um, and then fun plug, Jude wants to be an astronaut when he grows up. So he keeps, I keep asking him. A we'll write a, a book day. in the future about parents of an astronaut. The astronaut's parents. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, so check out The Astronaut's Wife by Stacey Morgan. And we hope you guys enjoyed the episode on the book review.